and good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM1030, KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and happy, uh, shall we say, Monday on a Tuesday, uh, wishing that as many of you as possible uh, were able to enjoy a three-day weekend if you were able to take it. Uh, and I say enjoy in light of the fact uh, that rather than uh, a happy uh, holiday or day off, uh, Memorial Day, of course, is a day where we solemnly remember and appreciate and honor those who gave everything for the cause uh, of, of, of this country and to continue this American experiment as shaky sometimes as it seems. So I uh, wanted to put that out there in the beginning of the show, uh, wishing you all uh, a, a, a healthy three-day weekend if you got it. But it means that this is our first day back in the studio after that three-day weekend. So it feels like a Monday on a Tuesday. To all of our listeners listening uh, and to Matt Neely on the other side of the glass, uh, all of whom really make the magic happen on the show Good morning. Happy Monday on a Tuesday. Morning, Zach. Uh, and uh, National Speak and Complete Sentences Day. So that's good <laughs> advice for both of us. And you that's doing all the talking over there. So uh, happy Well, Tuesday. I have a little help from a special guest this morning. But now the pressure is on Tim and I to speak in complete sentences. We'll <laughs> just say it. Best. I will continue to say for those who kind of come in and out throughout the days and weeks, Matt and I do not collaborate uh, on uh, on that piece of the opening show. I'm always caught by surprise of what day it is. But yes, here on the show we do try to speak in complete sentences. It makes for it makes for good radio. Today on the show, it's kind of a Monday morning news hour uh, again on a Tuesday. Here, I want to talk about as we close the show. Uh, a friend asked if I saw a piece in the local paper. I saw both in the Star and the Sentinel uh, about Arizona growth by census data and what it means and what Tucson's number means uh, for Tucson. And when you ask the leaders of the most quickly growing parts of the state why it's happening. Uh, it may or may not have something to do with the scorecard. We talk about that on the show. Also, uh, segment uh, four, maybe not leaving on a happy note. We're heading to a recession. I'm almost sure of it, and I'll tell you why. And uh, I'll express my dismay uh, that we that we got here. But we're going to start the show uh, on a much uh, more positive note. Our special guest for the first half of the program is Tim Swindle. He directs the uh, Space Institute at the University of Arizona. We're going to talk about uh, talk about that topic. It's another beautiful day in the space city of the Southwest. Tim Swindle, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Welcome aboard. Well, good morning, Zach, and thank you for the invitation. For sure. And you sound great, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and again, the pressure is on to speak in complete, <laughs> in complete senses. Uh, I'll try. But... I think that's a two-worder, but I'll try. <laughs> uh, I was looking on your website, and there's a piece called The Case for the University of Arizona Space Institute. The University of Arizona has an unparalleled history, as on the website, uh, of involvement in space missions dating to the founding of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory and the first Ranger missions to the moon. I'll skip down a little bit. 
However, over the last 10 years, the university has been outspent, not organized by its competitors within academia, industry, and the federal government. A strong framing, Tim, to why the Arizona Space Institute. And I certainly want in the second segment to get into uh, what are we going to do to take advantage of what we have currently as a competitive advantage in the new space economy. Uh, But Tim, to kick us off, tell me about, from your vantage point, the expertise that the university has in space. And and, and tell me about the Arizona Space Institute. What are you guys trying to do over there? Well, I think that the University of Arizona is... At least, at least one of the leaders, if not the leader in space science when it comes to universities in the U.S. There's this survey that the National Science Foundation does every year called the Higher Education Research and Development Survey, or HERD. And we always watch those numbers. It's basically how much universities spend on various kinds of research and development. There's a category that we call space science. They call astronomy and astrophysics. But it's how much is spent on space science and exploration. The University of Arizona spent $120 million in the last fiscal year that was reported. That was FY21. And that was first in the nation. And we've been first in the nation for 32 years, something like that. And so I think we're at the top. But of course, getting to your question about why we're doing a space institute, a sure way to lose a number one position is to do nothing and try to just keep doing the things you were doing. So in that vein, tell me, tell me about the mission and vision, Tim, of the Arizona Space Institute. Well, the University of Arizona has traditionally had two what we call spacefaring departments, the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory and Stewart Observatory, also known as the Astronomy Department. But they have done, while they have done very well, we're trying to make it a more university-wide thing. We're trying to connect the projects within even those two units with each other better so that everybody knows what they're doing. And when a project needs help on something, they know where to go. When there's a, a new faculty member with a bright idea, they know who to talk to to try to turn it into a big mission or a big project. So we're just trying to take the things that we've been doing all these years and do them more efficiently. The, uh, the, as it, it's stated on your website, the vision is to be a driving force in advance, and as you said, the U of A's role as the world's leading university. And then, and then you mentioned for space science, robotic exploration and human exploration, astrobiology research, space situational awareness research, and planetary defense. Uh, do, do you feel like that encompasses the skill sets of the faculty and the research uh, and the investment coming into the university today, Tim? Well, it was everything that we could think of to put in there that had to do with space. And the University of Arizona is remarkably broad. We're best at the robotic exploration and the big telescopes, but we have people working on human exploration. We have the only space surgery fellowship for you know, a doctor who is already a surgeon studying space medicine. We have a a habitat for people to study what it's like to put a group of people, like a group of astronauts, in a closed setting for weeks or months at a time. We have a remarkably broad capability in space, and we're trying to maintain that and and connect all those people and build on those strengths that we have. 
We're with Tim Swindle this morning. He's the director of the Arizona Space Institute uh, at the University of Arizona. Let's go to our, our first break on that note. When we come back, Tim, it'll be uh, maybe a little bit of an extra segment, a long segment even, uh, to talk about this piece that you've written. And I feel like as a driving uh, influence on the Space Institute is uh, that this new space economy, um, which would include space exploration, tourism, uh, space situational awareness, space mining. Over the last 10 years, I couldn't agree more, Tim, that this new space economy has gotten incredibly competitive, partly because it's commercializing so quick. And I can see many cities and many universities and areas around the country uh, almost in an arms race, so to speak, really trying to plant their flag as uh, leaders in this new economy that's going to be $500 billion in a couple short years. Uh, How does the Arizona Space Institute uh, catch this community up to our full potential? That's my question when we come back uh, after a short break. You're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host. Zach Yenser, you're listening to 1030 The Voice, Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. We'll be right back on this uh, beautiful Tuesday, May 31st. Don't go anywhere. Trusted local news and talk all day, every day. 1030 The Voice. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. School's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is proud to present Brad Kalhammer, 1159 to Tucson, a solo exhibition of works by Tucson-born, Mason, New York-based Brad Kalhammer, who creates highly personal narratives that are autobiographical reflections on three realms of his life, his indigenous heritage, his middle American upbringing in a white adoptive family, and his work as an artist and musician. To learn more and to get your tickets, go to TucsonMuseumOfArt.org. 
Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their bee on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Kate Delaney. Tune in later tonight as we talk about everything that happened throughout your day. Tonight at 10 on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. We're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. You are listening live here on Ampton 30 KVY, The Voice, a tipping point. I'm your host, Zach Yens. We're with Tim Swindle this morning, the director of the University of Arizona Space Institute, uh, designed to be a driving force in advancing the university's role as the world's leading university for a variety of space exploration and space technology uh, functions. Uh, Tim, I wanted to ask you, there was a, a line in a piece on the website called The Case for the UACI. We talked about what it does, uh, but it really talks about how this new space economy, I call it, um, is becoming incredibly competitive. And while the University of Arizona certainly has a foothold and a competitive advantage today, it really has to, I think, step on the gas region-wide. Uh, to um, you know, to take advantage of this as something that not only grows the research function of the university, but also creates economic benefit here in Southern Arizona. So, so how do we step on the gas, Tim? Well, what does the university need to do? What does the community need to do to really plant our flag in this new space economy? Well, I'll start with the university perspective. As I said, I think the university needs to be better organized and. We need to make it possible to do more because we have people who can do more, different types of things, uh, bigger missions, better missions. And we need to, for the regional economy, we need to have a better idea of who is out there and what they're doing. There's actually a thriving aerospace uh, economy in Tucson. There are companies that do everything from optics. We're well aware of this being Optics Valley as well to 
companies that do spacecraft operations to Worldview that does balloon launches. There are a couple of companies trying to build rockets. So one of the things we're trying to do is understand what is going on locally and both find ways to collaborate with those folks so that we can keep that business in town. And also it helps us because if we're building a mission and we have to talk about somebody about a part or a portion of the mission, it's a lot easier to go across town than it is to go to Denver or Los Angeles or, or Washington, D.C. So we're trying to build our capabilities by basically utilizing the capabilities that already exist locally and help those people along, too. And as I mentioned, we already are spending something like more than $100 million every year on this, and we think we can grow that. Yeah, Tim, I, I'm on the same page that my, my, my excitement about the potential here is that we have a ton of seeds in the ground. Right? This isn't something that you and I will have to sit here today and go, hey, we should do this and let's map the 20-year plan. Uh, there's, there's some things that are really starting to kind of move on this, but there's more that I think there's more that could be done. What is the, what is the more... Um, maybe between the community and the university, Tim, that can be done to really grow this environment that you're speaking about? How do we get to where we could be in five years? Well, let me give you two specific examples. One is that the university, when we run these big projects like OSIRIS-REx or the uh, NIRCAM on James Webb, we have these very, very talented engineers who build these instruments, except they're basically working on a fixed contract. And so after the five or Mm -hmm. 10 years they spend working on it, when they have it built, they're out of a job, unless we can find them another. And so a part of it is knowing who is available and in terms of personnel and knowing who needs what in terms of the local companies so that we can keep our people in the Tucson area working on things so that when we have the next big project, we can pull them in, or maybe they go to work for one of these local companies, but they're still in town. So that's one example, is just finding ways to keep people employed in the Tucson area so they don't have to move. Another way is that we are uh, in the process of building on campus a building called the Applied Research Building. Uh, It's just north of Speedway between Cherry and Mountain, and there was a big construction crane that just came down a couple of weeks ago because the building is, uh, you know, the high floors, the big things that have to be taken up are there already. But that's going to be a building with a lot of laboratory facilities and things like the uh, largest thermal vacuum chamber, which is something you need for testing parts that are going to go into space. But if you want to test bigger parts, you need a bigger chamber. And so it's one of the biggest ones on a university campus in the U.S. And you know, we'll make that available to local companies. We have other types of testing that we will make available so that local companies can do the same thing, not having to go across town, across, not having to go across the country to get something done, but can utilize the resources that are at the university. And we, have, we can do a much better job of this than we have done in the past. I have a question related to that, but I want to save it to the end, Tim. When I, you know, I think there's something powerful here around the reputation and brand of this community that space exploration and space technologies can can bring to us. What is our reputation outside of 
the city, outside of the state. When people are thinking about space technologies, uh, robotics, space exploration, tourism, uh, is the country thinking of Tucson and the U of A in their top five list of places to be around and to go to? Or uh, is, is part of the purpose of the Space Institute to, to boost us up? in people's minds and make them think about us when they're thinking about their next space technology company? Well, that, that's a complicated question. Uh, yes, it's part of our job to boost us up. But when you ask what people outside of Tucson think about Tucson, it depends on who you ask. If you're talking about NASA and particularly in the planetary sciences and astrophysics, uh, they think of Tucson as sort of a mecca. If you're talking about the general public, they don't know that uh, there are two state universities in the state of Arizona. So we need to do a better job publicly. And in fact, even within Tucson, I found that a lot of people know that some of the things that get done in Tucson, but don't realize who does it. Mm -hmm. I found that people knew that asteroids get discovered into uh, by Kit Peak and NASA build spacecraft. Well, actually... Asteroids get discovered by University of Arizona people working on Kit Peak, and spacecraft built get built by University of Arizona with a lot of local help uh, on contract to NASA. But you know, it's people here who are doing it. It's not NASA that is doing it, mm-hmm. and so we just need to get that word out. Particularly, and in some respects, it didn't matter ten years ago because. NASA was where all the money came from. And I don't think that's going to be the case in the next 10 years, because as you say, the new space economy, there are many more players. Uh, NASA is no longer the only game in town, which is a good thing. And we just need to find ways to uh, both take advantage of it and drive that. Hmm. Well, Tim, for that, you know, for one of those reasons, which is, you know, sharing this story outside the university, thanks for being with us on, uh, you know, on this public forum today to talk about it. I have about a minute and a half quick question. We've had Freefall Aerospace on the show a number of times, a company whose idea really started by people and in the University of Arizona, and it was commercialized out to be a private company who is hiring and growing in the community. Uh, would, Would the Arizona Space Institute like to see and support more of that happening. Oh, absolutely. As I said, anytime we can work with a partner who is across town rather than across the country, we're delighted because we're never going to be able to do everything that there is to do in space at the university. But the more we can do in Tucson, the happier we are as a university. Tim Swindle, director of the Arizona Space Institute at the University of Arizona. Thank you again for uh, starting your probably first day of the work week right off the bat at 9 a.m. here with us. Um, this is really coming on the tail end of probably five, six, seven conversations over the last few months with uh, different parts of the University of Arizona to really talk about how we are one of the world's leading research institutions for space science and exploration. Let's do this again soon, Tim. I appreciate it. In the meantime, thanks so much and stay cool out there. Okay. Thanks a lot, Zach. Thanks, Tim. When we come back from bottom of the hour, uh, news messages, uh, we'll talk about uh, the census results and what it says about Tucson. Also, why I think Uh, We are heading towards a recession, unfortunately, that on the other side. Don't go anywhere.
school's out and summer's here. And now's the best time to come out in the evenings and catch Tucson's professional soccer team, FC Tucson, in action. We're back home June 11th for Forever Pride. Fireworks and a salute to the troops on July 3rd. Celebrating Tucson's birthday on August 20th. And don't miss our defending WPSL Desert Conference champions in action. The FC Tucson women have home games June 3rd, June 19th, June 24th, and July 1st. Tickets start at just $10. Get yours now at fctucson.com. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is proud to present Brad Kalhammer, 1159 to Tucson, a solo exhibition of works by Tucson-born, Mason, New York-based Brad Kalhammer, who creates highly personal narratives that are autobiographical reflections on three realms of his life, his indigenous heritage, his middle American upbringing in a white adoptive family, and his work as an artist and musician. To learn more and to get your tickets, go to Tucson Museum of Art. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Life isn't about money, but how you handle money impacts everything. The Ramsey Show, today at 1 on 1030 The Voice. back tucson and all of southern arizona good morning to you if you're just joining us welcome aboard you're listening live here on am 1030 kvy the voice out of the common workspace studios tipping point with zach Yenser, daily in-depth news conversation and talk about the people ideas and issues shaping tucson's future i am your host zach Yenser. this segment is sponsored by little love burger they opened downtown last fall and i'm uh, proud, happy to say that they're doing really well, serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your next order. Uh, our top of the hour guest uh, was Tim Swindle. He just left us. He's the director of the Arizona Space Institute at the University of Arizona. You can listen back to that conversation on the podcast when it drops in a few hours if you missed uh, if you missed any of it. Uh, but another piece of the puzzle, we've had probably six or seven conversations now uh, doing our best to storytell um, what is happening here in the community, driven in large part by the University of Arizona around the new space economy, space tourism, space technologies, robotics, space situational awareness, space mining, uh, this new economy, right? And by the way, I'm not saying new space economy uh, to be funny and jargony and sound smart. Uh, It's just the, the phrase that I have found that means, look, we used to basically say in Tucson, for sure, space meant, you know, Raytheon, 
uh, rockets and missiles, Davis Monthan, right? We know aerospace and defense. That's different from the from the space industry. And on top of that, the space industry used to be NASA, federal organization, funneling dollars all over the place so that uh, uh, education sector and the public sector could do the work. And the new space economy is just a three-word phrase to say we're not talking Davis Monthan and Raytheon, and we're not talking about just NASA. We're talking about a a, a massive frontier, no pun intended, um, that is involving rapid commercialization into the private sector, uh, and, and it is really transforming and in many ways democratizing who gets to play in this space. Again, no pun intended. So that's the new space economy. Not trying to be cute. If you've got a better phrase, I'm down to hear it. That's just what it means. When I say it, that's what it means. Uh, and, and so we've had probably five or six, seven conversations about that uh, to drive home the point, to tell the story that Tucson could be, is, if we want to be, the space city of the Southwest. Now, I know the phrase storytelling is another one of those kind of jargony things. Uh, but I have to say, you heard Tim say that we just don't tell the story well. The rest of the country looks at Tucson as a mecca for space sciences. And other than the really smart, intelligent people who listen to this show every day (laughs) or on the podcast or every week, you are one of probably the point something percent of people in this town, in this region, that know that we are as good as we are on on this topic, in this sector, in this industry. So yes, sometimes you need the the tough investigative journalism. Sometimes you need the hard questions asked. Sometimes you need the fluff storytelling piece to say, hey, it's time that as opposed to the rest of the world knowing what's up about us, that we know what's up about us. We don't tell the story well, so nobody knows it. You don't crack open the book, no one hears the story. We don't crack open the book. I think about the University of Arizona this way, and by the way, I, I, I mean this in the most complimentary way possible. This is not a dig. But on this issue, I think of the university as a castle, and there's a big moat, and there's no bridge, and nobody comes out very often. Right now, again, uh, I've spent hours on this show celebrating, complimenting, highlighting the incredible work of the university. That's not a dig. But until we figure out a way to crack the code, to pull the bridge down, to cross the moat, to get the intellectual capacity and potential of the university benefiting the local economy, not only will we not benefit fully, but we will start to lose out. And a completely different topic for this segment, so I'm not going to land there, but that's the summary, is that this is a competitive landscape. And Tucson, I love Tucson, is really good, really good. Um, at not having the intention and the focus and the attention to details to take advantage of moments like this. Our public and private sectors are never aligned when they need to be. Our policymakers uh, are, are, are not paying attention when they need to be. The story isn't there. And we've had gems like this in our hands in the past. And we've focused way more on our tacos and trails then we have our tech and talent. And by the way, all four are great. And we have all four, uh, but they should have equal footing. Which kind of gets me to the second topic I want to talk about today. A friend this weekend asked, 
if I saw the piece in a couple of local papers, actually. I saw it in the Sentinel. I saw it in the Star uh, about Arizona growth by census data. Uh, certainly, some of the data was comparing 2020 to 2021. Uh, and, and the ask was, hey, Zach, did you see that Tucson's population grew by 0.3%? <laughs> Meanwhile, multiple cities in the Maricopa area grew by 54 to 8.9% between July 2020 and 2021. And did you see the leaders of those communities commenting on why the growth was happening? I wanted to get your thoughts. By the way, zenser at gmail.com. Open door, send me an email. Uh, so often your calls and your questions and your insights become uh, become a piece of this show creation that we do every day. This is, a, I hope, a public square where you can call in, 520-790-2040. You can email in. We can have a conversation. So with, with this listener's recommendation, I went, I went and I read it. And she's right. According to the census, half of the 800 U.S. cities with 50,000 people or more lost population last year. None of the 20 Arizona cities on that list posted a loss, but Tucson and Flag saw very minor increases compared to communities like Queen Creek, Buckeye, Casa Grande, Maricopa City, and Goodyear, which again grew at rates from 5.4% to 8.9%. Now, what was interesting, right, was part two of this listener saying, did you see this piece? Because they interviewed, whether it was Mayor Kate Gallego in Phoenix, whether it was city management in Queen Creek, they said, why do you think this is happening? Why are your communities growing like game busters? I think it was the, the city or town manager in Queen Creek said, we're investing in public safety. We're prioritizing transportation. We're prioritizing parks and rec. We have a diversity of housing. We're intentional to invest in these things, so Queen Creek is a desirable place to live, unquote. I mean, is that the scorecard? Right? The very smart people who listen to this show uh, know that I talk about the scorecard. The three things that uh, make or break decision-making around whether people come to community or stay in community and buy a home and raise a family and start businesses and, and have incomes that buy things and goods and services from other people to create sales tax revenue. The, the whole simple formula is the scorecard, affordability, opportunity, quality of life. Kate Gallego, the mayor of Phoenix, um, was asked. Here was her answer. It's no accident Phoenix is growing rapidly. I love that phrase. There's a freaking formula to this. <laughs> For, forgive my unfrench French. Forgive my unprofessional uh, French there. There's a formula. This is not hard. It's the scorecard. You and me in the fence post know the, know the formula. It's no accident Phoenix is growing rapidly, attracting global corporations, startups, and legacy companies. A lot of this is very, like, politician-y. But every word does matter there. I actually appreciate that, right? You know, because here in Tucson, again, I love Tucson. I'm here. I could move. I don't want to. I'm here to stay, right? A mentor of mine said, do you love this place enough to, to buy your headstone? Are you going to commit enough to invest and move in and move up close and be a part uh, of the community you want to see? But in Tucson, right, we pit legacy companies against global corporations, 
right? In Phoenix, they don't have this problem. Merkei Gallego. Phoenix is growing rapidly, attracting global corporations, startups, legacy companies. Here's the rest of her statement. The quality of life here is exceptional and combines with smart policies and a welcoming business operating environment to deliver a diverse ecosystem of opportunities in which workers can obtain high-quality jobs and families can thrive. I mean, if I, I should probably have read that a little bit slower. I'm not going to repeat it. But what do you see woven through there? It's not rocket science. It's not the rocket science that Tim Swindle does at the Arizona Space Institute. <laughs> it's a simple scorecard. It's smart policies around creating affordability, growing economic opportunity, and investing in quality of life. Municipal officials in Casa Grande said the qualities that have attracted new residents have also attracted new business. That's how it works. Right? And, you know, Phoenix is a nonpartisan race, but let's draw politics into it. Mercate Callego is about as firm and vocal of a Democrat as you're going to find. Right? We say nonpartisan races. I'm a, I'm, I'm a personal advocate for nonpartisan races. Tucson is the only of like 90 plus charter cities and towns in Arizona that does partisan. You know? Uh, I, I love what I often see in Oro Valley uh, where you have, you know, Republicans and Republicans disagreeing about open space, right? When you pull the politics out of it, you can have real conversation about nuts and bolts issues. But everybody knows Kate Gallego is a Democrat. This is not, you know, Republican versus Democrat. This is people who understand the scorecard. And, and, I, and I think what other areas uh, of the state uh, often realize at the expense of Tucson is that people vote with their feet because of the scorecard. Right? And, 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 and I say this with all the love and passion for Tucson. Let me just say it real quick again. You know, I always ask people who get so frustrated with the Tucson region or, or don't like what's happening. I often ask, why are you here? Right? Because often some of these people are upwardly mobile. They could go anywhere. They have a clear idea of where else could be better, quote unquote. Right? So I'm always asking, why are you here? You could go anywhere. Right? I love this place. There's so much that excites me. Right? One foot in the pothole, one foot on the moon. Uh, th this place has boundless potential. But there is, a, there is a sense of denialism that we have to check in this region. At our core, I think we are really focused on the Tucson experience for people who spend 36 hours here at the expense of making the essentials work for those who want to spend three to six years or more. And, and I'm having this challenge, and we'll go to break on this. I'm having this challenge because people often, people often ask me, would you come in and hype Tucson up? And I'm al almost always there to do it. So I think this place is great, and I want to be a cheerleader for it. I want, I, I, I want to be a, I want to be, you know, a marketer in chief of this place. But it gets harder and harder when I look at the scorecard and say we've only grown by 0.3% because I think ultimately people realize that we are not creating affordability, we are not creating economic opportunity, and we are not investing in quality of life. 
and I'm having a harder time juxtaposing the two as the days go by, right? And this friend of mine, we'll close on this for real, Matt. I feel like pastors of some churches have gone to every five minutes. They say, we're going to go. We're going to go. This friend said, I don't want to grow like LA or Phoenix, but 0.3%. Does that say something about us? I don't know if I want to grow eight, 10, 12% year over year. It's probably not sustainable. And I think she's probably right. But 0.3%. What story is that telling? You got my opinion what it's telling. When we come back, uh, we're heading to a recession. I'm pretty darn sure. Uh, I'm not an economist, but I've been reading the history. And I think we're heading to a recession. I'll tell you about that on the other side. It's kind of our Monday morning news hour on a Tuesday because this is our first day back in studio. You're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Don't go anywhere. Your source for trusted local news and talk. 1030 The Voice. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. 
The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. This is Bill Buckmaster. Join us for the Buckmaster Show at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome to this Monday show on a Tuesday. It's our first day back in studio. I'm feeling the rest. I'm feeling the energy uh, from three days off, much needed, even as we, of course, celebrated the very somber, solemn reason for the three-day holiday. We, again, one last time, appreciate and honor those who gave their life uh, for the cause, and uh, we can continue this American experiment um, even as shaky as it sometimes seems because of their sacrifice. So thank you to those um, who wore the uniform and gave their life while doing it. Uh, Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee that the youngsters drink at home and while we're out and about, run by a great local team of people. Uh, visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Uh, take a look at their menu of coffee, drinks, beans, pastries, and more. Ice cream uh, is imminent. It is on its way. It is here here in 2022. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Uh, real quick, we've got a short segment here, but there's plenty of time this week for anything that we, um, that we, don't, that we don't get to. By the way, listen back on the podcast if you missed anything. We talked with Tim Swindle <clears throat> at the top of the hour about the Arizona Space Institute. And in the last segment, we talked about uh, what does 0.3% Tucson growth compared to uh, 55 to 8.5% growth, whether you're in Queen Creek or Casa Grande or Buckeye, what, what, is, what, is, what does the percentage mean? What is the story that that tells? And I gave you what I think it's saying, so check all that back out on the podcast. Um, this is a bit of our news hour. Our first kickoff show of the week is that. Uh, I don't mean to end the show on some bummer news, but I'm becoming more and more convinced that we are heading to a recession. And, and I'm, not an, I'm not an economist. I have listeners that I know and I've met who are way smarter on macroeconomics than I am. Uh, believe it or not, sitting in this seat is very humbling and scary at times because so many of you um, are listening with decades of experience and, and your hands really in the dirt on some of these things. Uh, I'm not an economist, um, but I, I think the tea leaves are there because of the history that we've lived before. I think this country is heading to a recession. There was a piece in the Washington Post this weekend, where do we go from here 
inflation or recession. On this show, I've talked about Paul Volcker before, uh, the chairman beginning in 1979 of the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors. And uh, he's notable because under him, the Fed took the hard step of rapidly increasing interest rates. Uh, but in doing so, and it created a recession for a few years, it dropped inflation from 13.5% in 1980 to 3.2% in in 1983 the author of this piece in the post uh megan mccardle is her name says that uh in writing the article she talked to a professor of hers and said professor uh if you were in jerome powell's seat at the fed today would you cause a big recession would you do what volcker did to bring inflation back down he said no what i would try to do is to get a stable inflation rate tell the American people it was going to be high for a few years and then low it over time. That way we don't tank employment. Uh, People know what to expect. Even if inflation is higher, they can at least plan. Today we have unpredictable inflation. That would be better. And Megan said, "I, I, I like that idea, but here's the downside. If businesses expect costs to rise by a certain dollar amount next year, they'll demand higher prices to offset the increase. Um, workers will then expect higher prices. If they do, they'll demand higher wages, which translates into higher costs for businesses. Quote, inflation feeds on itself, unquote. We've already seen one quarter of negative growth. Um, and so we're partway there on the criteria of a recession. Uh, the resolution of this author for the Washington Post says the Volcker way may be the best option. And again, I'm not an economist, but I've been saying this for months, um, that history shows that when we get into this overheated of a market, the last time we were here, we had to basically artificially create a recession to, to, to break uh, uh, to cool the overheated market to get inflation back down to what it was. And of course, we saw economic growth during the Reagan era. I, I think we're there. I'm becoming more and more convinced of it. Another, another piece talks, uh, talks about how we just, again, by almost $5 trillion overheated the market, right? And it wasn't Republicans saying we were in trouble. It was Democrat Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary, warning that we were going to get to this moment. I think it was in the Washington Post again this morning, uh, top of the email was that policymakers last year blew this off. And I don't say this politically, truly, but we had, whether it was Jerome at the Fed whether it was the Biden administration, whether it was policy makers, we said for far too long that this was transitory. It was no big deal. You were not seeing what you were feeling. Don't worry about it. It's not going to be a problem. You know, and and, and a dude like me uh, with a drive time hour radio in Southern Arizona was able to look at that and go, I don't know. And it's disappointing. That's not a pat on my back. Believe me. It's disappointing that we had so many people asleep at the wheel last year. We just did. I don't care whether you're listening as an R or a D. People who should have known better didn't know better. And here we are. And I personally don't think this ends in any other way but a recession, either accidental or on purpose, to break an overheated market that isn't going to break 
any other way. If the Fed can soft land this thing, I will be back on this show saying I eat crow and I'm super happy about it. <laughs> I just don't think it ends that way. I think we're heading towards a recession. So maybe that's predictability. Predict on that, work around that. We might be heading to a recession. When we come back tomorrow, our faith and culture contributor uh, is back with us, Pastor Jeff Locks. And Ruben Navarrete will be with us from his national perch, syndicated across many platforms. We'll talk national issues. We'll be back tomorrow. Hugh Hewitt up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Tucson. Stay cool out there. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening.